Hello and welcome to everything is Black and White Podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and it's time for our second uh, season review. I'm joined here by Lee Ryder and we're going to look at the key moments of the season. Obviously Newcastle United survived, finished 13th in the Premier League. Um, some very good performances, some not so um, as well. Um, but lots of key moments which kind of defined the season. Uh, mainly we've been looking through some of them. Um, obviously you heard Chris Woff's play ratings Earlier on the weekend, we'll be doing Mark Douglas's key matches of the season. So there might be a bit of an overlap, but uh, nonetheless, we're going to kick on. Lee, I mean, first of all, let's just kind of, in your opinion, sum up the season as a whole. Uh, a positive season, would you say? I find it hard to describe it overall as positive. I, I would look at it and say the second half of the season was very good in the Premier League. Newcastle did very well and they got some really impressive results. But really, I look at it with a sense of regret almost that Newcastle didn't, in the summer, they didn't really, they could have got Rafa tied down to his new contract. They didn't. He wanted certain players. He couldn't have them. It took, it got to the point where he lost his coup in, in Braga, if you remember, in that press conference over there. And he really laid it on the line. Newcastle had to really bring in the players that, you know, he asked for. So, yeah, bad start, you know, reasonable middle and quite a solid end. And uh, hopefully uh, Rafa will get the contract he wants now and gets the players that he needs and they can have a better season this time around. Fingers crossed. I mean, that is your first uh, kind of key moments with the whole summer debacle last uh, summer with Rafa feeling like you said to agree a deal and Newcastle failing to really move quickly on, on transfer targets um, and then that all boiled over you were one of the I think it was the three journalists in the, in, the, in the press room at Braga where Rafa Benitez said things are not going uh, to plan and yeah. on, on the pitch um, and he also said you know, the, the fans are clever they know what, what is going on uh, and that must have been a surreal moment because we've seen Benitez lose his crew before Liverpool, the facts, but it's always been where he's, he's done it in a kind of a calm manner. He's kept his cool, but he has also lost it in the sense of what he's saying, but he's not really showed it in emotion, but Braga was a bit different. Yeah, it was, and what you, what you got a couple of quick things you remember about that night. I mean, it was absolutely scorching hot in Portugal that night, and, you know, it was hard, hard enough conditions to actually work in the press box because it was just the the Wi-Fi was going mad because of the heat and it was just the computer was you know failing on you you know it, it was red on the press so on the pitch it must have been unbelievable for the players uh, and they got an absolute stuffing on the pitch they, they got be 4-0 and they were so poor that night and disjointed and then you quickly realised after the game that something had already gone off before the game that's partly it was hard enough as I say with the conditions but something had gone off before the game in the with the players that had a row about the bonus uh, they hadn't got it agreed and as a consequence of that they told the press officer that they wouldn't do any media interviews even with the official club website and the club TV channel um, they told them they wouldn't be doing any interviews and Jamal Lascelles came through he said Nothing personal, guys, but we're not doing any interviews tonight. Uh, see you later. They went through, 
so that was the that would have been a story in itself which you know we were ready to we had had ready to go um and then Rafa walked in his press conference and then he come out with you know basically um there's problems behind the scenes and I asked him specifically what are the problems he went almost everything and then when someone says that with a week to go before the Premier League season kicks off you know it's going to be tough what happened after that they signed uh, Muto and then they signed Rondon on loan that deal eventually got through and Dwight Gale went the other way so it, it took that for him to get what he wanted so that was the key moment then the transfer window mm. I mean when, when a manager says I am worried you know that's a quote I am worried that and it's that close to the start of the season and like you say that is that is quite something um, and then the season though didn't really kick off no win in uh, the first 10 games yeah I mean been, uh, the season before they'd had a bad run obviously I think well, it was Christmas there was the West yeah. Ham 3-2 and everyone was positive they'd finished 10th and there was that platform build on it didn't really happen as we've mentioned but nonetheless Muto like you say Rondon came in and then just an, an awful run of form and yes there were some tough games but you know they should have beaten Cardiff I think that was probably one of the the key yeah. key turning points in the start of the season. Uh, I mean, how hard was it for Rafa Benitez to keep his cool in that run when, you know, he's, he's he hasn't won in ten games. Yeah, he kept pointing back to the fact that they played the top five. He said that a lot. Uh, you look at, I mean, you look at the none of the games they got annihilated, and that I can think that you know they were all narrow defeats. Even Man City away was two one. And obviously Chelsea lost two one, Arsenal two one, Tottenham two one. So that they played all the top teams, but they they lost uh, very narrowly. Um, the Cardiff one was the one when the fixtures came out. You know, back in G- the June, you looked at them and you thought, well, but tough start, but we'll probably beat Cardiff. And then they didn't beat Cardiff, they, and they missed the penalty in the last minute, um, and that was uh, that was a tough one to take because it's a long long journey down there point isn't the worst result but when you haven't won any other games it suddenly looks like a bad result so that was a a bad moment and obviously Kennedy missing the penalty that was that was hard it was maybe he wasn't the right man to take it on the day because he wasn't playing with loads of confidence for some reason he wasn't playing with loads of confidence and yeah you know, credit to him, he put his hand up to take it and he, he knew the consequences if he missed. But unfortunately, Newcastle couldn't get anything that day and it just set the tone for a, a very tough start. So you beat Watford then 1-0. It was their first win at that point. They were 19th in the league, just three points. Um, but do you think, yeah, you mentioned that the games against the, the top teams. Obviously, Benet's got a lot of stick off certain uh, pundits. Um, but... Do you think the results, the fact that, like you say, they weren't thrashed, they were very narrow defeats, do you think that kind of, for Benitez, justified uh, his formation, his setup, and he was like, well, do you know what, I'm going to stick this way because I trust the system and it, it, it will come good? Yeah, I think you, you go back to that, and I, I remember I'd done a piece saying, for once, this guy we've got in charge, he's above criticism, and that, some people didn't like that article, to be fair, but there you go. Uh, for me, what I was trying to say was, trust this guy, you know, let him let him build, let him keep 
drumming the same message into the players. And eventually it was the same, pretty much the same system that started to get them some results. And as you say, they, they won that game against Watford and they started climbing, uh, they started building. And that's when you have to just stay patient with the manager because other managers, I've got no doubt other managers would have, would have gone with that run of results. But then, you, you know, you, you say that, but then you look at Mike Ashley and what he, under Alan Pardew, how many things did he do where you would say he should be sacked for that? You can't lose that many derbies. You can't be knocked out of the cup that many times. And he continually kept his job. So, you know, maybe Ashley was prepared to... I mean, he certainly didn't want to... He certainly didn't want to pay off a big compensation package to him. Uh, and that was the only way he was going to go because he certainly wasn't going to resign. He said that. He said that to me personally. He said, you know, I'm not going to walk away. And eventually, you know, things did come good. And he turned the corner and it was... I Ozzy Perez's goal wasn't it against Watford that, that turned the corner that day it was it was a, a key assist as well again someone that Benitez kind of had to fight to get him due to his age and it was it was good to see I suppose from Benitez's point of view that the player he wanted to get in um, even though he is you know the wrong side of the age bracket um, had a big hand in getting that first one because the relief as well around the stadium when, when Newcastle won was it was quite something yeah and I think Shelby went off injured Key went on and people wondered what what was going to happen in that game because Shelby you know was a player who can turn a game but Key came on and it was a free kick wasn't it I I don't know how much Perez I mean he just changed the direction of the ball basically which you know turned out fine you know but uh, Key had a huge part in that so yeah and that's Rafa Benitez once experienced when players get injured this is one of the things he's asking for in his contract when the top players get injured you need someone to come in and replace them because they've got that experience and know how to, to stay calm and get a result on a day like that and that's exactly what happened that day two more wins followed and then it was a kind of another bad run of form but before we get onto that in between all of that there was all this takeover talk and uh, Peter Kenyon's name came out yeah. um, it was the just before the Leicester game Newcastle lost 2-0 um, a bit of a mixed display there but they, they lost 2-0 but it came out via Sky News that Peter Kenyon w- w- was interested and that dragged on uh, like the Amanda Stavely saga for quite a while but I mean that that day do you, do you remember the, the, the feeling around the stadium changing do you remember the feeling around the players and, and, and Benitez changing or was it kind of you know this this has happened before you know we'll wait and, we'll wait until it's signed well definitely it look it definitely affected the, the mood around the stadium because uh, I actually remember there was a a, mem- a member of the Leicester coaching staff who I know came up and, and t- said oh is this right about the takeover so at dressing room level both teams knew that there was something in the air because they're just like fans they they look at the phones on the on the build up to games and it filters down the dressing room level and it had on that day. Uh, I mean, let's let's cut to the chase here. What was Kenyon uh, a genuine contender by the club? Yes, he was because we here, yourself included, we've seen documentation from Kenyon uh, to Ashley saying, speaking of his interest, and we've we've seen Mike Ashley's response back saying that he was identified 
as the preferred buyer for the club. And then suddenly it got to the point where Kenyon just couldn't couldn't get everything together that he needed. And the run under Mike Ashley continues. So it was a genuine situation. Everything we reported was accurate. We wouldn't we can't report anything that's not accurate. So it's uh it's one of them things where it was just I think most fans like the idea of Kenyon coming in because he is quite respected. He was at Chelsea, he was at Man United. Uh, he's done bits at Middlesbrough as well with Steve Gibson. So I think it, people like the idea of him coming in. But sadly, it, it's proved um, he fell short with, with the takeover deal and he couldn't give Mike Ashley what he wanted. So we're, we're still where we were. You referenced uh, this, this documentation in a letter... 4th of Jan that came out so that shows how long that went on and I guess at that point Newcastle fans were kind of they just wanted it yes or no is it going to happen because it dragged on so long and a bit bizarre really given the situation that a letter did come out and, and you know uh, it was Kenyon had written to Ashley saying I'm committed to getting this done as soon as possible uh, now <laughs> Because of the way things have gone over the last 12 years, fans were instantly sceptical. You know, why has that come out four days in the, in the January transfer window? It's going to be used as a smokescreen, not assign any players. Um, but it, it was a genuine letter. It was a genuine intent um, from Ken, you know, so it seems. Like, and like you said, it just everything just didn't fit together. Yeah, well, that, that's it. And for, for Newcastle fans... It, you can see why so many of them are negative about it because they've had, as you say, this long run under Mike Ashley where there hasn't been much success. And we've now, you know, the generation of fans who were there before it tasted the good times. They know how the good times can roll at Newcastle. They know that this club and the city is capable of hosting a Champions League level team. That's We know that. But it needs to have the right resources in place to do it and Mike Ashley is, is reluctant or simply doesn't have the money to, to do that now as I said earlier things change in football and, and things certainly have changed you know when Sir John Hall was here Newcastle were easily not easily but they were able to, to climb up to the top three in the Premier League table in the first season and these days I don't I mean look at Wolves I mean, they got seventh in the end. They've done very well. They've gone to Europe. They've had a great season. They're probably the modern-day equivalent to a Newcastle in 1994 where they've bounced up from the championship. Play good football as well, don't they? Play very good football and sign some very exciting players. Well, you, you mentioned Wolves there. Um, a lot of people will be asking about someone Rondon. Now, we are recording this a few days prior to when it goes out, um, but we don't actually expect anything to move forward in terms of Rondon. Um, Wolves' interest. Do you think Rondon would, would would head to Wolves or is Newcastle, from what you understand, his first choice? Well, if New, whether Newcastle's his first choice or not, there has to be an offer there from Newcastle, and there isn't an offer there at the minute. That's what we can say. At one twenty six on May twenty third, there is no offer on the table at the minute for Rondon from Newcastle. They haven't got the manager sorted at this stage, so they can't do that. Which means that Rondon is in big danger of going somewhere else because West Ham or Wolves could easily leapfrog Newcastle, and I'm pretty sure 
that is exactly what Rondon's agent will be telling Wolves and West Ham and anyone else who's prepared to listen is that this is your opportunity to sign him at that price, 16.5 million. But because it's, it's because Newcastle haven't got the first option, have they? It's it's no. Is it? It's anyone's game, yeah. It's completely wide open. It's 16.5 million. It's there. The clause is there to be activated. So, for me, with Rafa, Newcastle would probably go for Rondon. Without Rafa, they won't go for Rondon. Um, well, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how that one plays out. Uh, on to your next kind of key moment. You, you kind of put two into one here. The win over Huddersfield and the win over Cardiff. That was they were the only two wins in a, in a ten-game run um, after the, the the good form from their first win of the season. I mean, the Huddersfield game was so important because Newcastle had gone on a bit of a bad run, and had they lost to Huddersfield, you feel oh, I say did it myself. But I feel the season would have played out a lot differently. Yeah, could have because it was a key game at the time, and it, it was a wasn't a very pretty game to watch you know there was the one moment of quality where they worked the ball up to Rondon and, and he finished and they got the win and the Newcastle fans were unbelievable that day it was they really got back they, they always get back but that day for some reason it just I remember the players going over afterwards and it was just incredible um, so that to get that game that 1-0 win was vital um, the Cardiff game was a little bit later was in January wasn't it and I think before that that game kicked off Newcastle were, were in the relegation zone so they had to win to get on top of Cardiff and they did and they did it in style with Fabian Schur I think got a couple of goals so two really important wins against your rivals you've got if you're going to stay up you have to beat your relegation um, the fellow relegation candidates and that's exactly what they did and they got the six points from them them two games uh, not great form either side of it but they got what they needed and it you know set them up for um, survival most certainly um, and then things are again it, it just seems typical of this season kind of took another turn um, we are, you've pinpointed two moments um, we'll, we'll start with this Fulham nil-nil draw um, I remember Mitrovic very nearly got the goal at the end as well. I think there was yeah, a, yeah. Um, he should have scored, and then there was a was it was a camera. I think Lascelles uh, put an excellent challenge in as well. Yeah. Um, but the press conference afterwards was was again a fiery Benitez. It's I say it's not often we see him really lose his cool in terms of his facial expression. He's yeah, but he did, and what he said was is you know. Even if we sign players this month, this is the January. Even if we sign players, it's going to be a miracle to stay up. Yeah, it was. It wasn't quite as fierce as Braga, in my opinion. Um, but it was Braga light, basically. And uh, for me, that day he sent out a really strong message to the powers that be. And they, they, I don't think they were happy about it. To be honest, I don't think Mike Ashley was happy about that because he, he clearly didn't agree or had been advised not to agree uh, to the fact it would be a miracle if they stayed up um, but there you go Rafa Benitez knows football knows his players knows the league uh, knows the the limits on what he can bring in and that day he really gave everybody a headline didn't he they all walked away 
and the papers the next day were full of big strong headlines he still stands by in those comments as well he says it got the reaction but the players some of the players I know especially one man especially wasn't overly pleased at Benitez's comments who was that? Matt Ritchie wasn't overly pleased, was he, about about the about the comments? Matt Ritchie, yeah, I think some, yeah, I think for me that was another part of the strategy. What Rafa was doing there, he wanted to, to he wanted to maybe get in the heads of the players a bit, so they were like, oh, God, prove him wrong, you know, that kind of thing, and that's exactly what the uh, they turned round and did it, and you know, Matt Ritchie. He's been outspoken this season. Uh, he's such a nice guy, really, but he's one of the most passionate people in that dressing room. And, uh, yeah, he said we were, we're going to go out there and uh, try and prove him wrong sort of thing, and that's exactly what that's exactly what they did. Would you give Matt Ritchie a new contract? Obviously, lots of talk that he's asked for one. Benitez denies that as the case. Benitez denies that. Um, he's told him he can go and find a new club if he wants a new deal. Obviously, he's got quite a... I think he's got two years left on, on the current mm. one, but, you know, the, the rumour is, the story is from some national newspapers that he does want a new deal. Would you hand him one? Well, it depends on what I was... on what I was getting. If I was getting a big budget to go out and buy other players and someone like... I think Stoke City were linked with them, weren't they? 15 million, 20... Was it 15, 15 20 million? yeah, something in that back bracket. If, being totally honest, I, if I had a certain budget that I was definitely going to get and I was definitely going to get my 15 million from Stoke for Matt Ritchie then I, I would probably be tempted to do that um, you would lose a player with a lot of passion but if you're talking to, if the, if you could take part of your budget which is 20 million and stick that 15 million on it 35 million then that might just get you a very good centre forward so if those were the circumstances I would offer it if it was going to be another limited budget where Rafa is scraping around and bringing in free transfers and loan deals uh, I would be saying to Matt Ritchie you're going to be one of my main players so it's, it, it depends on the circumstances always does but one man who came in for a lot of money Miguel Almiron you've picked that as another key moment the moments that it kind of filtered through that he was on a plane he was heading to St James's Park just before kick-off at the Man City game, Cass obviously won that game. But that really was... Was it? Was that just a turning point for you within that game or was that a turning point for you within that whole season? Well, you go back to... We were starting again in the last knockings of the transfer window then and basically what the, the story was, we ran with it on the Friday night, was that Almiron and his agent and his representatives had left the room with Newcastle. Newcastle weren't going to pushed the bid up any higher than the had. So they say, right, we're going over to Italy now. We're going to speak to Napoli, we're going to speak to Inter Milan. And Newcastle, call it a risk if you will, said, right, okay, see you later. They went over to Italy. They didn't get the deal they wanted there either. And then they come back to Newcastle, said, actually, we will take them terms. Newcastle said, right, okay, done deal. Get him on a plane. And then he, then he came over. And that, yes, when, when I got the phone call, from a contact who said he's on the plane, he's coming over now. I, I felt better. I think the whole of the city felt better when they knew he was, they were signing him. And then on, on the night, obviously beat Manchester City 2-1, one of the most famous, probably one of the most famous results in recent history in the Premier League because 
it was like an FA Cup tie, you know. Newcastle, very plucky, haven't spent much money against this team who are one of the, the you know, the cream of Europe. And Newcastle go out, battle hard, get a 2-1 win. And as a Newcastle fan, you cannot ask for much more than that. Of course, City have won the title, but Newcastle only decided to beat them in the league in 2019 in the season. So I'm sure Benitez will take some pride in that one. But you mentioned there the change in yourself when you got the call. I think there was a there was a change across the press box as well because uh, look, we everyone gets criticism in this job, but the majority, if not all, um, journalists, especially the ones we work with uh, every every day, every week, we want to see Newcastle do well. Some of us are fans of Newcastle, some of us are not, but in general, you know, they want to see Newcastle do well, and that news really did put a smile on a lot of faces. It did, I think. Just the, the buzz of getting in a, a big signing, it just changed everything. And Miguel Almiron, we've, we'd all seen what he can do, whether you've seen it on, on the internet or, you know, we've, 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 this day and age, we've got the the Major League Soccer on, on Sky and people sit and watch those games. Um, and everyone had seen Almiron do very well for Atlanta. So... People knew, had a rough idea who they were signing. Um, it's not the biggest name you could sign, but it's certainly, it, it's certainly a big signing, and it's a big signing for Newcastle. So now we wait and see what happens. I did say when he signed that patience would still be the, the watchword, and that, that has kind of proved to be right in some ways. He did have some good games at the start, but then I think the pace of the season and coming in off the back of an MLS season was uh, was difficult for him. But... Uh, yeah, he's um, he's done well, you know, and hopefully after once he gets the Copper America out, has his little rest, and then I I think October November going in the new season, you you will see the the best side of him. Great news as well that he is back in the train. There's pictures on Instagram on his social media account of him uh, kicking a ball and what have you. So it is great to see him back, um, and I suppose. We'll finish on, on that Southampton victory. Unfortunately, the one where Miron did get injured. Uh, but was that one of the key games for you? I mean, obviously, we could mention Everton as well. It was another really exciting one. Um, how important were those two games? Rafa hasn't just... Uh, I was going to say that. We had that the other, the other day in the podcast, not to give anyone false hope. At one thirty-seven, um, he hasn't... Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, then two games, how important were those, those victories? Obviously, Southampton was the one that all but clinched it, but... The Everton one was, was was something special as well, headed yeah. by uh, Mr. Jordan Pickford. Yeah, it was a crazy game that, and one that if you look back at the table, it cost Everton a place in Europe. So you know Newcastle did well that day to come back from two 0 down. They were terrible when they were in the first half, but then uh, they they turned things round, got the win, great win, uh, and it just you know showed that if you dig in in games and don't give up then you can get something out of it so they've done well for that one um, Leicester away was a key one I uh, don't think anybody fancied with that day because uh, Leicester were on a really good run they were pushing for Europe Brendan Rodgers had come in but we got a 1-0 win down there Perez got another vital goal and then Southampton as you say yes the negative Almiron going off but Perez getting a hat-trick a uh, very special day for him and a, a great win against uh, you know a team fighting for for uh, fighting against relegation in, in Southampton so 
you know, they're ambitious as well. You know, they've got a manager who wants to kick on. So it was a good, really good result that one. And a word as well, just for all flags prior to the Liverpool game, that felt like another key moment as well. I did, not not in terms of the season when Newcastle was safe. It just felt like a very special moment when they unveiled the giant flag across the Gallagher. I mean, it was it was superb, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's I've got memories of when Newcastle and the entertainers era, um, the huge flag back then when it was draped over Eldon Garden there there's a picture of that uh, and it, and before that there's, there was the one where they won the, the first division title in 92-93 and the champions banner went right around the ground and that those were special memories but that one where with war flags was the modern day equivalent to, to it you know it was a real statement from the fans and I know they went to a great effort they went to Poland to, did, to, yeah. to get the flag Uh great adventure for those lads to, to go Eastern Europe and, and bring the flag back and just a, f- a fantastic moment uh, funnily enough my dad was in the Gallagher end and just as the flag was going over I seen it going over his head and I thought I wonder what he's thinking being stuck under there but but brilliant a brilliant uh, moment for uh, the fans uh, and hopefully we'll see more scenes like that next season most certainly well just to wrap it up then Lee your key moment of the whole season Key moment for me was probably beating Manchester City because that just gave everyone belief going forward and it's a huge result and a brilliant performance. You know, you go 1-0 down in the first few settings, you think this could be a, a complete cricket score, but they came back, they fought back, Longstaff won the penalty, didn't he? And yeah, it was a, was a great night and... It, it's nights like that where it's a pleasure to report on on the game, and it's a privilege to be in the in the press box and see all that, that unfolding. So yeah, great um, great moment. Fantastic. Well, there you have it. We're bringing you Mark Douglas's uh, section of the, the season review, which will be the key games, and there'll be plenty of specials as well throughout the summer, including uh, Newcastle United unpopular opinions where we do. I want your unpopular opinions about Newcastle United, whatever they may be. So send them over to my email address at andrew.musgrove at reachplc.com. In the meantime, thank you very much. And please remember to like and subscribe through whichever uh, podcast platform you listen to and leave us a little review on iTunes. It would be much uh, appreciated. Thank you very much. <laughs>